as we continue our study in Psalm 51 today, uh, we get to talk about finding joy. And I'm excited about this, looking forward to this message. And at the same time, I just have to tell you, I've been wrestling with this one quite a bit this week because I know that Scripture says, as we'll jump into today, that, that we can find joy. And we're going to talk about that a lot more. But I also know that, that there are a lot of people that struggle with that feeling of, but it's just not so easy for me. See, I think if I were to preach this message 10 years ago, my mindset would have been a lot simpler. It would have kind of been a, well, you know, everybody can be joyful, just, so just choose to be joyful kind of a thing. And what I've come to discover is that it's just not that easy for some. Now, we still get there, but it's, it's, it can be a difficult process. And so we're going to wrestle through this a little bit today, and I have really kind of a, a couple of, of main goals. Um, and, and that is, first of all, I want to point out the fact that, that you know, we can find joy, but also um, to, to just say, I realize that listening to a 30-minute message on finding joy, if you're really, really struggling, may not solve everything, okay? Um, but here's the goal is that wherever you are, you would take a, a step closer toward really discovering joy uh, in who you're, you are in Christ. Uh, but also, just that there would be a renewed sense of hope. You know, that, that even if it's not all solved, that there's this sense that, but it's possible. I, I can find hope. I can get on this path. I, I look at it like this. Let's say you're having some type of chronic issue, chronic pain of some sort, and you've lived with that pain for most of your life, and it's just kind of become normal, and you almost just kind of start to think, well, I guess this is just how life is, and you kind of deal with it. But sometimes it gets to a point where it is so bad that you think, I've, I have to do something, right? I cannot live with this anymore. And so you go and you see a surgeon, and, and, and that surgeon says, well, here's the condition, this is what's causing that pain in your life, and if you'll allow me to, I can, I can fix that for you. I, I can do a surgery that will relieve some of that pain. When you leave that doctor's office, your physical pain hasn't changed any, right? You haven't had surgery yet. You haven't done anything to physically change what you're dealing with. But your mindset is probably in a totally different place, isn't it? If you, if you believe, at least, that surgeon who says, I can operate on this and make you better, then you're going to leave with a renewed sense of hope and, and this sense of, okay, maybe it's going to be costly and maybe there's going to be some pain involved in the process, but at least I can see where we're going and there's hope there. And so maybe that's where some of us need to go today. I mean, guys, I, I believe 100% that God can instantaneously touch us. And, you know, if, if you're in a pit of depression, there's no doubt in my mind that God can snatch you out of that immediately, never to go back again. I, I believe that with all of my being. I also believe that many times that's not how God works, that sometimes he chooses to, to work that way. And other times it's more of a process where he puts us on a path and, and it can be, uh, it can take time and it can be costly and it can be painful, but God is in the process. So uh, I, I want to encourage those that, that, that may struggle a little bit to find joy, to know that even if you're struggling in the midst of your struggle, um, you can do this 
It may take time, and it might not be a quick fix, but this is something that, that God can do in you. I also have kind of a separate goal for those that don't really struggle, and you just kind of lean that way by nature, uh, and that is that you will experience even more of God's joy in your life, that, that the joy that you have would be multiplied. But I also hope today that you will gain perhaps a greater empathy for those that, that aren't where you are, for those that do struggle a little bit more, and it's not quite so easy for them to just say, hey, I'll just be joyful uh, and, and, and move on with it. We kind of touched on a similar topic. I don't remember exactly how long ago it was. I'm, I'm going to guess roughly a year ago, but that, you know, the older you get, are you like me? Your sense of time is really bad. So it may have been three years ago. It may have been four months ago. I'm not sure, but I think it was about a year ago. I was talking, uh, gave a message kind of on this subject of dealing with depression and, and some of the, the difficulties that come along with that. And, and throughout the message, I was sharing some insights from a friend of mine uh, who had said that this is what I live with and this is how I manage it. And we got to the end of the message. And if you were here, you might remember I put the friend of mine's picture up on the screen because that friend is my oldest daughter, Brooke. Uh, and, and so this is something, and I talked to her again this week, and I said, hey, are you, are you okay with me kind of sharing? And she said, yeah, go ahead, because I know that um, you know, it's very much a part of, of her life, and yet her relationship with God is incredibly strong. Uh, and and you know, it's not a matter of something being off there. Uh, it's just a matter of you know, some of us struggle more, and, and, and that's just kind of what is in us. And so um, she's away at nursing school right now in Lubbock, and so uh, and, and doing well with school, uh, but facing some of those challenges of her fiancé is here in the Dallas area interning, so she's there at school, a lot of her friends are gone because it's summertime, nursing school's hard, and so that creates some challenges, and I got a phone call about three or four weeks ago on a Monday night, um, and she, she was just struggling, and said, I think I need to come home for a little while. And thankfully, you know, a lot of the classes are online now, so she could do that for a period of time and come home for a little while. But there was one thing that she said to me that has been ringing in my ears ever since. And through her tears, she said, I just don't understand this. Everything in my life is good. She's like, I have a great family. I, have, I had a great upbringing. I'm about to marry my best friend I'm in nursing school. I'm going to become a nurse. That's what I've always wanted to do. It's like, everything in my life is good. Why do I feel this way? And, and maybe some of you can relate to that, or you know somebody that can relate to that. It's like it's not that, my, that something's out of whack in my, in my life. It's just that there's this underlying struggle that just doesn't seem to go away. And so uh, I want to be sensitive to that today as we jump into this topic to realize that we're on, you know, we, we may be across the spectrum when it comes to this. And I'm telling you, some of you just are like, man, joy is my thing and I love it. I'm always positive. And, you know, the more we can talk about joy, the better. And then others are like, mm -mm, don't even go there, you know. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but uh, we were laughing about it. This was somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but she said, yeah, when I see people wearing a shirt that says, choose joy, I just want to punch them in the face. So if you can kind of re relate to somebody that thinks it's just not that easy for me, then, uh, then <laughs> maybe this is good for all of us today. So uh, I want us to, uh, to, to just have that in mind and to realize that um, there are a variety of reasons that can cause us to struggle with finding joy. Sometimes I believe it really is just something that is just, just the way the brain is wired differently. 
Um, there are times where it is circumstantial. There are times where maybe you go through something difficult. Maybe it's a loss uh, of a loved one. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship or it's you know, some major change in life. And as a result of that major change, you kind of go into this pit where it's very difficult to focus on finding joy. So sometimes circumstances do impact that. Sometimes it is a spiritual issue. In this case, in Psalm 51, it is a spiritual issue, right? This is David wrestling with and coming out of his sin. So he had gotten a married woman pregnant, tried to hide, it, hide what he had done, had her husband killed. And so now David is wrestling with in this repentance process, which Psalm 51 is really just a whole chapter on his process of going through repentance. And so his difficulty, when he talks, as we'll see in the verse in a minute, about being crushed by God and, and his uh, desire to rediscover joy in this case it comes out of a sinful choice and sometimes that is the case but I want to be really really clear that that's not always the case just because you may have difficulty rediscovering your joy doesn't necessarily mean that something is not right in your relationship with God it could be that you are doing things right and you're walking with God but still there's this underlying just kind of a, a sadness there there's an underlying difficulty in truly experiencing the fullness of joy that you know that God has for you and wants for you. Uh, so if you wrestle with that, know that you're in good company today. But let's open our Bibles to Psalm 51. And I'm going to reread verse 8, which we actually read last Sunday. And then I want to skip ahead because we covered the rest of those verses last week. I'm going to skip ahead to verse 12 and we'll stop there. And the next week we'll come back and we'll finish out this series and the rest of the chapter next week. <laughs> But Psalm, let me remind you what Psalm 51, 8 says. It says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Now skip down to verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's begin with this really important statement. And that is that finding joy is possible. For everybody, finding joy is possible. Now, as we said a moment ago, for some, it might not come as naturally. may take some more work and time and lots of other things. But finding joy is possible. Some of you hear that statement, you're like, well, of course it is. Anybody can find joy. And others hear that statement and say, yeah, finding joy is possible for, for most people, but not really for me. Maybe you're not convinced that it's really possible for you, but I just want to encourage you to that. I don't want to oversimplify things and be too simplistic, but I do want to say this. I believe the scripture is true when, when, when the scripture talks about the joy that we can find. It is possible for you too. Even if you struggle, it is possible for you to find joy. And so that's where we have to start today, is just with that reminder. In verse 8, it says, let me hear joy and gladness. This sounds to me like what David is saying is just kind of put me in the middle of, let me experience joy around me. Let me hear it, joy and gladness. You know, the image that came to mind as I was thinking about this, I thought about our preschool play days that we've had up to church during the summer. Where we've had, you know, 70 kids or so, little preschoolers running around and, and little slides and bounce houses and all kinds of fun stuff. And, and there are lots of squeals and there are lots of happy faces on those preschool play days. 
And if you're in the building, you just, you hear it. You know, it's just kind of what, and, and I love it. And it's that, let me hear that. Let me be surrounded by that and be reminded of the, the, the joy that is there. But here's the thing. You can be right in the middle of it and still not hear it. And still not see it. I mean, think about, for example, what if you're hearing impaired? And you came, and all these kids are squealing and laughing and all that, but you don't hear it because you're not able to hear. Or, or what if you're visually impaired? You're not, you're not able to see it. I mean, you could be there right in the middle of it with it all around you, but not be able to see it or not be able to hear it. Now, if that's the case, it doesn't mean that it's not there, does it? Just because... I don't see it, or because I don't hear it, doesn't mean it's not there. It just may mean that I need a little more help. I need some help figuring out how to experience that. Sometimes that, that happens, and sometimes um, you know, we just don't seem to be able to take in the joy. But here's another option. Another option might be that... You have the ability to hear. Maybe there is a hearing aid that when turned on allows you to be able to hear what's going on around you. But kind of like that grumpy old man who gets tired of his wife nagging him all the time and reaches up and flips his hearing aid off. <laughs> I won't say that I'm jealous of that guy sometimes, but <laughs> Sean's not here to defend herself. That wouldn't be fair. He intentionally says, I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm going to turn it off. That's what we do sometimes, isn't it? It's not that we're incapable. Sometimes we just flat out say, I'm just not going to go there. I'm going to tune that out. It frustrates me. I, I don't even, because of how I feel right now, I don't even want to be around somebody who's joyful because they just kind of make me sick. And so I'm going to, I'm going to turn it off. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. It kind of reminds me, do you remember the scene from uh, Jim Carrey's Grinch where they're singing all their joyful songs and he gets, he's trying to drown out the music and he gets between the big clanging monkey like this, you know, it's bang, bang, and he's just, you know, trying to drown out all that joyfulness around him. That, I don't know why that scene cracks me up every time I see it, but um, that's what we do sometimes, right? It's like I'm intentionally choosing to drown out the joy that is around me, that can happen. But, but we need to be reminded that even during those times where it's difficult, we can find joy again. In fact, in verse 8, it says, uh, the second part of that says, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. And I think that's really significant because he says the bones that you have crushed. And he's, he's basically you know, putting the blame on God. Now, keep in mind and God did do this. Now, we might also say this is something David brought on himself because what he experienced was, and by the way, what he experienced was the loss of his child, if you, if you don't remember the context there. The consequence of his sin was that this pregnancy ended and this, this child was born but didn't live. Um, and so he's feeling the weight of that, and he's saying, God, you have crushed these bones. Now, again, we could say he brought that on himself through his sin, and that's true, but still... He's acknowledging the fact that whether it was brought on him you know, directly by sin or not, that really is not the issue here. There will be times in your life and my life where we will feel as though God has crushed us. Either by directly bringing things 
into our path or by allowing things to come into our path or maybe by not removing those things that are so painful. You know, when we're like, I'm ready for it to be removed right now and, and God's answer is not yet. And so what do you do when you, when you feel crushed by God? Well, I, I appreciate the fact that David says, you have crushed me. And yet, he says, let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Now, maybe it's important for us to define what we're talking about when we're talking about finding joy. And I know this is a statement that is way overused, but I, I do think it's appropriate for us just for clarity's sake today to say this, that there's a difference between joy and happiness. We've all heard that before, I'm sure. Happiness depends on happenings. It depends on circumstances in our lives. Joy is something much deeper. And as we continue on uh, in verse 12, I think we see that, that there is something much deeper about joy than just feeling happy. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Here's the second main thing I want us to see today, and that is that our joy comes from God's salvation. Interesting, too, by the way, that he says, he doesn't say, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He is acknowledging that this is God's. This is what God has given to him. It's what God offers to every one of us. Um, but when we stray away from that, when we stray away from our relationship with God, then we begin to lose our joy. Now, it might be nice in the short term, can we just be honest enough to say this? If anybody ever tries to tell you that sinning's not fun, they're lying. Otherwise, it wouldn't have a draw, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't feel pulled in that direction. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that are outside of God's will for us and outside of God's design for us that are a lot of fun for a little while. But the problem is this. We, we experience this enough to know that although there might be this short-term uh, experience of this is great, then it comes crashing down. And then there's this, there's this sense of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more distant from God than I used to be. And so now what do you have to do? If that's what you're living for, now you have to go back to it over and over and over. And it has to be more and more and more because you're trying to fill something that was really intended to only be filled by God. And so it's just this temporary and it's up for a minute, down for the next. Joy is, is, is more stable than that. Joy is, as I pursue relationship with God... Um, there's this underlying sense of, of, of a well-being, even if I'm sad sometimes. Does that, does that make any sense at all? That's a little weird, right? But it's true. We can struggle sometimes with feelings maybe of, of, of a little bit of sadness or difficulty or pain. You know, there are things going on in my life that I don't like and that are difficult to manage, but still there's this underlying underlying sense of joy or, or well-being, knowing who God is and who I am in Him. And so it's, it's out of this salvation that God provides. That's where we really find joy. And it's the kind of joy that never fades. So the trick then is how do we tap into that? How do we tap into this relationship and, and focus on this? And, and it reminds us here when it says, restore the joy of your salvation, that, that remembering and focusing on the salvation that God gives us is a significant way to increase our joy. So here's a question I want us to ask then. Let's just use that word salvation. If God has saved us, what has he saved us from? And what has he saved us to? 
Both of those are important. What, what has God saved us from? We know from what the scripture reveals to us that God has saved us from an eternity separated from him. He has saved us from experiencing the full wrath uh, that our sins deserve. He saved us from hell. He saved us from a meaningless life. I mean, there is so much. Our sins deserve to be punished. They, they deserve, because we are sinful, we deserve to be separated from God. But God has saved us from that. And so there's an incredible amount of joy that comes from just remembering, okay, God, this is where I would be without your intervention, without your salvation. I would be separated from you right now in this life, and I would be on my way toward an eternity separated from you in torment. That, that is a horrible thought. That is a horrifying thought. And yet God has rescued us from that through Christ. Because Jesus has paid the price for our sins. The wrath of God has still been poured out. It's just that it was poured out on Jesus, not on us, if, if we choose to accept that. Now, if we don't trust in Christ and his sacrifice on our behalf, then we will experience the wrath of God ourselves. And that's a very scary thing to think about. But we have, through Christ, been given the opportunity to be saved from that. But then we're also saved to something. It's not just that God takes away the punishment. It's not just that we were saved from the punishment. It's that we were saved to something. You know what we were saved to? We were saved to God himself, which is amazing. That's mind-blowing. God saved us to himself, into relationship with himself. Now, that looks, you know, there are a lot of different aspects of that and what that looks like. I mean, we could talk about our eternity that God has saved us to. I mean, let me just share a few verses with you that will just remind us of what we've been saved to, and I'll run through these quickly. Romans 8, 17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So we've been saved into this relationship with our co-heirs. John 14, 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. So we've been saved to eternity, to this this place that he has prepared for us. And then Revelation 21 gives us a glimpse into that when it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. What an amazing reminder of what God has saved us to. That he has saved us to in eternity with him. But how do we experience then right now? Because thankfully... Uh, we do have that to look forward to, but that's not all there is, right? There, there's also being saved to a relationship with God that impacts us right now. And, and it made me think about Psalm 1611. It says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So that presence of God that we will enjoy and experience for eternity in heaven is a wonderful thing. It's something that we look forward to with great anticipation. But we can also experience that now. So how do we experience more joy? 
It's by spending more time in the presence of God. That's what it says. You fill me with joy in your presence. It's not that I somehow go out and manufacture it or you know, make it happen for myself. It's that as I'm in your presence, you fill me with joy. What a great promise uh, that he gives us and something that he will certainly do. Now, that leads me to the last part of this because... Sometimes when we start talking about things like that, it, it, especially if you struggle, especially if you find yourself in a low place right now, the thought of, okay, I know I'm supposed to be reading my Bible. I know I'm supposed to be praying. I, but that kind of stuff can be overwhelming, right? I know I'm supposed to be in church, and I'm supposed to be surrounded by the believers, but it, it just feels overwhelming sometimes if you're in a difficult place. And so listen to the second half of verse 12. It says, and grant me... A willing spirit to sustain me. Isn't that great to remind ourselves that even the desire for it, even the ability to have a willing spirit is something we can ask God to grant us. So here's the, the third thing that I want to leave you with today, and that is that we need a willing spirit to sustain us. We need a willing spirit. So what does that look like? And what does that mean? What does it mean to have a willing spirit? Well, I think this could probably look like a whole lot of different things. And it probably does look different in every one of our lives individually. But here's the thing that, that everything has in common. To have a willing spirit is another way of saying that we are submitted to God being in control of our lives. Right? A willing spirit means I'm willing to get out of the way. I'm willing to back out of the way for myself. And I'm willing to, whatever that is, God, whichever direction you want to lead me, whatever you want me, I, I'm, I'm following you with a willing spirit. And he's asking for that as a gift from God. The amazing thing is this, as powerful as God is, he does not force his way into our lives like a terrorist hijacking an airplane and taking over and saying, we're going to go this direction. God doesn't work that way. God waits for us to willingly surrender to him. And the flip side to that is if we refuse to do that, if we choose to go down our own path, then God's going to allow us to do that. Now, he's going to bring discipline in our lives. and you know, He's going to bring things in our lives to try to get our attention. But ultimately, he's not going to just force us to stop going down that path that is leading us away from him. And so we need this willing spirit. And if we're wanting to experience more joy in our lives, then, then we need a willing spirit. To say, Lord, help me to have this willing spirit to be, to be completely surrendered to you. I asked for feedback uh, from one of my friends who struggles uh, with major depressive disorder. Uh, this is a different friend, by the way. That's, that's not my daughter. Um, but one of the things that, that she said was this. Uh, she sent me a lot of great information. But one of them, I'll just quote her. She said, my suffering most likely will not end while I'm on this earth. But it will end. Eternity is coming. Life on earth is not the focal point. It's temporary. Um, man, that's, that's a perspective right there. To say, I might continue to struggle in this life. But eventually, that suffering is going to end. It, it, now, that, that's when it starts getting real. When you start dealing with reality. If you ask the question, am I willing to follow God even if I struggle like this for the rest of my life? And that doesn't necessarily mean that will be the case. But am I, do I have that level 
of a willing spirit that no matter what I go through, no matter what challenges come my way, God, I'm, I'm going to continue to surrender to you. So we need a willing spirit. But there's another side of this, and I, I really hope you hear my heart on this statement, that this is coming from a place of, of love and encouragement and not a place of judgment, okay? But you're never going to get better and find more joy if you're unwilling to follow God's direction. That makes sense? If, if we insist on going down our own path, it's not going to get any better. I mean, when David was running from God and trying to hide what he had done and trying to cover up, do you think he was experiencing joy at that point in his life? There's no way. You see, when we're running from God, when we're in rebellion against God, we can't experience joy. Now, again, I'm not saying anytime we're not experiencing joy, it's because we're in rebellion. But I am saying that if we're running from God, we're, we're, we can be sure that we're not going to experience joy. So part of that willing spirit is to say, yes, Lord, whatever direction you're leading me, the answer is yes. Let me give you one more quote that I found encouraging from that same friend I mentioned earlier that, that wrote and shared some great insights with me. Um, one of the things that, that can be difficult is the feeling that this is something that I have to do, that I have to work up the energy to do, as I said a moment ago. And this is something she said. She said, I'm not saved because of my ability to hold on to or maintain my faith in Christ. I have a forever faith in Christ because God gives me faith every day to choose Him and to follow Him. So again, the abs at the absolute worst, being too weak to hold on to Christ is not defeat for God because He is not relying on me. I'm relying on Him. She called this bullet point. She had titles above them, and this one was called God is the Initiator, not me. And that's a great reminder too. Because we, yes, we need to be willing and, and all of that. But at the same time, we need God to be the one to initiate this in us. And if you're feeling completely exhausted and like, I just don't have it in me and I'm not sure how I could ever do this. Let me encourage you with, with just saying, would you just start praying the second half of verse 12? Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Would you at least be open to the possibility that God wants to do something in your life. And that's true of all of us. Whether you struggle to find joy or not, would you be open to the fact that there's something more significant, there's something deeper, there's a, a deeper level of relationship and connection that God wants to draw us into if we're willing to go there. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray today that you would grant each of us a willing spirit to sustain us. Lord, for those that, that are struggling right now and feeling like finding joy may not be possible for them, I pray that you would grant them a willing spirit to sustain them. Lord, for those that, that are just going through the regular difficulties of life, grant them a willing spirit to sustain them. And even for those, Lord, that, that life is good right now, grant them a willing spirit to sustain them. Lord, wherever we are, I pray that we are leaning on you and that as a result of that, as a result of going deeper in our relationship with you, that we are finding more joy. And we thank you for the joy that you want to bring into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.